All eyes are now on Lisbon as this season's quarter-finalists are confirmed. Barcelona have booked their place, inspired by Lionel Messi, as they knock out Napoli. Messi brings it down on his chest, goes down but then manages to get back to his feet and then scores with a moment of Messi genius. Got back to his feet, bounced off a challenge and then picked out the bottom corner. Ospina beaten, Messi wonderful. They'll face Bayern in the last eight after the German champions made light work of Chelsea. That is a superb header from a supreme striker. Robert Lewandowski is there again. And this really is some message. Bayern are sending across the continent. Stay with us as we bring you all the reaction from a decisive night in the UEFA Champions League. Well, welcome along to the official Champions League podcast. I'm Rob Daly after wins for Barcelona and Bayern. The quarter-final lineup is now confirmed with the ties all being played as one-off matches in Lisbon next week. Here's what's coming up on a crazy few days of football. Wednesday the 12th of August, Atalanta versus Paris Saint-Germain. Thursday it's RB Leipzig versus Atletico. Then it's Barcelona versus Bayern and Manchester City versus Lyon. I'm joined by commentator Adam Summerton who watched Barca beat Napoli 3-1, 4-2 on aggregate at Camp Nou and Mark Scott who saw Bayern win 4-1, so 7-1 on aggregate against Chelsea. Firstly, uh, I want your three-word match report, as is per tradition on the show for the games tonight. Adam, you can go first. Barca worked hard. <laughs> OK, I like that one, Mark. Bayern, Bayern mean business. OK, uh, also alongside me tonight is the European football expert, Chris Parrott. Chris, what was your highlight of this evening? What was my highlight? That's a very difficult question. It's going to have to be. It's a bit boring, but it's Lionel Messi's finish because as we got on to Barcelona were were outplayed on their own patch but he came up yet again we heard the commentary from Adam he was off balance falling to the floor with the tiniest amount of the far post to aim for but he still managed to produce a shot with that left foot of his that went in and that was one of the key moments that put Barcelona into the quarterfinals yet again. OK, well, let's start with that clash between Barcelona and Napoli or the Diego Maradona derby, as we've been calling it. It was 1-1 <laughs> in the first leg, and here's what's happened in the second. It's senior looking to play it into the box. It's fallen here to Mertens, who's hit the post, the outside of the post. An early opportunity here for Napoli. Rakitic with the ball in, and there's the header, and there is the opening goal. That will settle the nerves for Barcelona. Some time by Clément Longlet. Messi brings it down on his chest. Right-hand corner of the box, looking to glide into the area. Goes down, but then manages to get back to his feet and then scores with a moment of Messi genius. Well, the Barcelona players are saying there was a foul by Koulibaly on Lionel Messi. This will be being checked by VAR. Messi is rolling around, holding his left leg. They have got a penalty. It is Suarez against Ospina. And it's thumped into the back of the net, right-footed. Fabian Ruiz with the ball into the penalty area. Mertens goes down and gets a penalty. Insigne up against Ter Stegen. And he sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. And Napoli have a lifeline in the tie. On the night, Barcelona 3, Napoli 1, 4-2 on aggregate now.
Adam joins me along with Chris to uh, review Barcelona's win tonight and progression to the last day of the Champions League. It is tradition for them. They have last failed to do so, I think, in 2007. And Adam, um, yes, Napoli uh, created their chances and put Barcelona under pressure, but 3-0, such a commanding lead to get themselves uh, into in that first half. Yeah, I mean, you could say that Napoli had given themselves too much to do. And it was a strange game in some ways because you come away from it, I'm thinking... From a Napoli perspective, I look at the way that that game was played, I look at their mentality, I look at their approach, the amount of chances they created, the possession that they have, and I'm actually, from a Napoli perspective, encouraged, which is kind of strange when they've gone out of the competition, they've conceded three goals, four across the, the tie, but it, it, it was a strange game, and certainly they, they had much the better of the second half. They created enough chances to go through. Um, but as I said, I, I think they had just given themselves too much to do, really. And, and you have to... I mean, we, one of the first things we said at the start of this game is, even though Barcelona aren't, haven't had the season that, that we would expect of a club of, of their size, of their stature, of their, you know, their squad, Messi can always turn up and Messi can always make the difference. And I think that he probably did that in the first half tonight. Yeah, he also, as we heard won the penalty, which Luis Suarez tucked away. It, 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 Adam's right. Napoli, the away team at the camp now, more possession, better passing accuracy, covered more distance. All of the stats that Gennaro Gattuso will be delighted with, the only thing that he won't be so happy is that maybe in the final third they weren't as clinical or, or as ruthless. A big hand, I think, we don't often mention them. The Barcelona centre-backs were outstanding. Gerard Piquet and Clement Longley. Napoli completely dominated and dictated the whole of the second half, partly due to Barcelona's tactics to sit on their lead, which was absolutely the right thing because they are through. They're in the quarterfinals, but those two were real warriors at the back. Barcelona needed them. I'm not entirely sure what we learnt about Barcelona. Some of the question marks are still there. Where does Griezmann fit into that front three? Are they as fluent and as fluid as we've seen in the past? Probably not, but they're in the quarterfinals again. The one thing I would add is that you have seen that fear factor that teams used to have against Barcelona, I think, has gone right now because Napoli went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and for large parts actually outplayed them. Uh, Adam, let's talk about uh, Lino Messi tonight because it wasn't just his, uh, his brilliant individual goal that Chris described earlier as well or his endeavour to force Koulibaly into the state, but we also had that wonderful goal, sadly disallowed, rightly so, <laughs> but what a brilliant goal that would have been to make it 3-0 on the half hour. Yeah, it was. It was just... There were two really good finishes. One of them ruled out, one of them wasn't. But, yeah, the other one was where he's, you know, the ball's come over and he's brought it down on his chest. He's almost held off. I think it was Mario Rui, the Napoli defender. And then he's almost... The, the keeper's come out from fairly close range to just try and... Well, they'll block the shot, really. And he's he just had the improvisation to almost lift it over him. It was fantastic finish and it just I think it just brushed just brushed the outside of his forearm so unfortunate that that was from a, a neutral perspective I guess that that was ruled out but I think he did all his work really in the first half Messi and I guess it, I think I said in the game it showed how much respect that Kike Setien had for Gattuso's approach and Napoli's play that he left Messi on as long as he did because it was a nasty whack that he took him winning that penalty in the first half and I wasn't sure he'd come out to be honest for the second half but not only that he stayed on for the whole game and that probably says it maybe says a little bit about the youth of the bench but it also says a lot about how how much of a threat Napoli were right un, until the end you know if they had got two 
um, you know, they would have gone through without reply. And we've, we've all seen how quickly these things can turn around in European football. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was, as I say, a compliment to, to Napoli and Gattuso that he stayed on as long as he did. I'll be getting the rehydration sachets in them, the players, though, Rob. It was, it was a baking night at 30 degrees, even at full time. You know, very humid, and, and both sets of players were, were out on their feet, really. And Barcelona didn't make a change until, what, I think it was the 87th minute or something. So, you know, they had about 14 fit first-teamers. Kike Setien knew that, and in the end, they did get them over the line. It, it looks comfortable when you see a two-goal aggregate lead and a draw away and then a reasonably comfortable two-goal win at home. It, it was nothing of the sort. Uh, we'll uh, hear from uh, hopefully both camps later on in the show. We can see Lorenzo Insigne pitch side now uh, waiting to give his thoughts to uh, local TV as well, Lorenzo Insigne. Um, key for Napoli, he made the starting 11, but they could not turn around the tie. And I think it's probably worth, when we preview uh, Barcelona's quarterfinal later on, getting into a bit more detail about the front three and exactly how they're going to work it between Antoine Griezmann, Griezmann, Messi and Luis Suarez shortly. We'll have more from Adam as well uh, in a moment, but let's head to, uh, to Germany now. Uh, Bayern went into their second leg tie against Chelsea with a commanding 3-0 lead from the first leg, and this is what happened in Munich. Through the centre for Lewandowski, who goes round Willy Caballero, and it's a penalty. Lewandowski runs up, stutters, and puts it perfectly into the right corner. Lewandowski tees it up for Perisic. It's two for Bayern. Emerson fisted, spilled by Neuer, and put in by Tammy Abraham. And this one will count for Chelsea. A rare error from Manuel Neuer. Left by line. Oh, free chance, and in. From close range by Corentin Tolisso. Odriozola gets his way to the byline. Stamps the cross up. There's plenty arriving. That is a superb header from a supreme striker. Robert Lewandowski is there again. And this really is some message. Bayern are sending across the continent. Lewandowski with a soaring header to make it four on the night and seven across the tie for Bayern. A statement from Robert Lewandowski who will most likely finish as the top scorer in the Champions League after another fine showing, assisting or scoring every goal in that 7-1 aggregate win over Chelsea. Mark Scott, it didn't look like Bayern hadn't had a competitive game in roughly five weeks tonight. No, you're spot on, Rob, and uh, that's actually one of the major things that came out of it, rather than looking rusty, having not had any competitive action since that uh, German Cup success over Leverkusen over a month ago. They actually just look energised, rested, refreshed and raring to go. And, and they look like the team that came into the tie 3-0 down on aggregate from the first leg because they were at it from the word go and were relentless against Chelsea and uh, Lewandowski got them off to a good start, fouled by Caballero, brushed himself off, a no-look penalty, he glanced to his left, put it to his right, inch perfect beyond Caballero and then teed up the uh, next goal for Perisic, lovely first-time finish from the Croat and uh, Lewandowski uh, also set up Tolisso with another really nicely weighted pass and then this brilliant header late on to, uh, to get the fourth for Bayern on the night and his 13th in the UEFA Champions League 
this season. He has simply been brilliant. And I know that there's the ongoing debate about who the best player in the world is. There's Messi fans, there's Ronaldo fans. Surely, guys, we can all agree that the best striker right now in the world is Robert Lewandowski. Best number nine. Yes, yeah. certainly. OK, uh, let's hear from uh, one of his teammates who always has a nice word to say about Robert Lewandowski. It is Serge Gnabry. Of course, it gives you a good feeling when you know you have a striker that scores every game. And for us, yeah, that's very good to play with him and easy for us. We knew we had a good position um, from the last game at Chelsea, um, but obviously we, we knew we had to come out strong um, to take a lead. It was very good for us, um, yeah, made us feel way more comfortable. And in the end, I think uh, we showed a great performance. Now, it's been a long season in terms of time and months, <laughs> longer than the usual. Um, but it's been the regular number of games for Lewandowski. I think it's more than 50 goals now. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous, Chris. It is. And, and I was just looking at the all-time season record, which I, I think we all thought might never be beaten, set by Cristiano Ronaldo in 13-14 when the final was in Lisbon. He's 17. Well, he's only four off. Lewandowski going into the quarter-final. Now, he'll probably be thinking, if only there were two-legged matches from now on, maybe <laughs> yeah. I could get there. Yeah. Uh, I've been robbed of uh, two absolutely. extra games. But, yeah. but, but also, um, the fact that he is the second top assist maker, I believe, in this season's Champions League, which I think is part of a game, uh, I heard Mark mentioning it in commentary, two assists this evening. He is, he, isn't he, Mark? He is the all-round number nine. Well, that's why I was saying that I don't think there's any debate. Um, Rob uses a better term than striker because th that's something that people have different definitions of. But as an out-and-out -out number nine, because he is absolutely lethal in front of goal, but also has this intelligence as well and has really moulded his game into being more than just a goal scorer. I mean, the balls that he provided uh, for Tolisso and Perisic were wonderful. And then the build-up to Perisic's goal, he, he held it up on the edge of the box and just deliberately waited until he had enough numbers there to, to turn it into a, a promising attack for Bayern. And, um, you know, he is obviously the standout performer, but I saw, I think it was Owen Hargreaves saying that um, he thinks that Bayern are the best balanced side left in this competition. And I think this evening showed that. And I think yeah. that is the, the best sort of, you know, description of why Bayern are arguably the favourites is that they are supremely balanced and they were still able to bring on Coutinho in the second half. You know, and, you know, he had those magic moments as well and uh, nearly curled one into the top corner from the edge of the area. So I just I was so impressed at the lack of rustiness and the energy and the intensity throughout the game. They did not let up. They were relentless as a team. And Lewandowski was relentless as an individual. They, they actually remind me a lot of the Heinkers 2013 mm, point. Yeah. And I think balanced was the word, you know, just so. And, and on Lewandowski, as well. I mean, we, we talk about the Champions League returning and some players haven't played in a while. You look at the sort of four, the four big clubs that have played this week in a sense, every single one of their absolute elite players have delivered. Messi for Barcelona, Lewandowski for Bayern, Ronaldo for Juve, granted they went out, but he scored twice, and De Bruyne last night for Manchester City. They all step up at this level and deliver. It's funny you mentioned 2013. I was reading Kicker and um, they made a comparison with the two teams and said, just like Heinke's side in 2013, at the moment, Hansi Flick has got the spine of the team because he's still got Neuer there. He's got Boateng, who's organising things at the back. He's got Kimmich when he plays in midfield, being able to, to pull the strings. Thomas Muller creating the space and obviously Lewandowski up front. And, uh, you know, back in 2013, it was Mandzukic who was leading the line. But you can see that sort of spine is there 
now as it was then. And Flick has been compared to Heinkers as well for his management uh, of the side. You know, simple formations, not much rotation. And, you know, they're on course for another treble. I, I think they've got to be the favourites. Uh, they've taken apart Chelsea over the course of two legs. Let's hear from their manager, Frank Lampard. Well, they've performed all right. It's difficult to say that after a 4-1 defeat. I'm not happy. You, you don't want to lose a game here. But when you concede the two goals early, I thought the resilience of how we got back into the game Unfortunate, I think, with the, with the Callum's goal. Then we get a goal at 2-1. We're fully in the game and competing with what is the top team. You know, when you match up our Champions League appearances to theirs and you look through their team, I think you can see a big reason there in, in, in what we've seen tonight. But I saw lots of good things in the team. Also some of the bad that we've seen this season, which is where we need to improve. And at 2-1, we're competing in a game. We don't get our goals. We have individual errors that give them, gift them goals. And um, at this level, that, that will finish you off. Lessons learned for Chelsea. They will be back in the Champions League uh, next season after finishing fourth in the Premier League. There wasn't much hope in them turning it around. They couldn't quite do it uh, against the German champions. OK, this seems a good opportunity then with the games next week uh, to preview the four uh, quarterfinals uh, we have in the coming days. Uh, so just to recap with me, Rob Dady, Chris Parrott, Adam Summert and Mark Scott are all together now to look ahead to these games. Um, Adam, I'll start with you here. Atalanta against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, we know that Ilicic, is this right, Adam? Ilicic unlikely to play. We don't imagine he's, he's going to be involved. No, he's not going to be involved. And I think that's... Um a major part of this story for me because I think he's so important to the way that they play. He's had an incredible season, one of the best seasons, if not the best season of his career. The understanding in that final third with Gomez as well, it's what helps their fluidity. And he is going to be a, a big miss. I did their final game of the Serie A season. They looked flat, they looked tired, so they looked a bit lethargic. It was their probably their poorest performance of the season. I wondered whether they were holding it all back, though, for this particular game and whether we'll see an Atalanta, the like of which we've seen for so much of this season, probably the most entertaining team in world football for me right now. And I don't say that lightly, you know, almost 100 goals they got this season in Serie A. But he's a miss, but then so is Mbappe for PSG, Rob. So these things balance out, I guess. Uh, yeah, I was reading as well, Pierluigi Gallini, the goalkeeper for Atlanta, uh, looks set to miss the tie with a knee ligament uh, injury. Um, Chris, Adam mentioned Paris Saint-Germain there. They've won the uh, French League Cup. And obviously their, their league season was, was cut short. What shape are they in? Well, um, Adam mentioned Mbappe there. The news might be better because uh, he was injured in, in one of the finals they won. He and Marco Verratti are in their Champions League squad and they were sent off with some fans there to send them off from Paris. That They flew out to Lisbon today. So they're in the squad. Now, whether they are fit enough for the quarterfinal or potentially for the semi-final, we shall see. We know that Ankel Di Maria, who so often steps up for Paris Saint-Germain in big games, is, is suspended. So that they have injury problems, and it even goes as far as the coach, poor old Thomas Tuchel, has sprained his ankle as well. So, <laughs> um, so, so Paris Saint-Germain won't be at full strength for that match. They have everything to lose. Atalanta can play pretty much with the pressure off, and this, remember, is a team who had one point from four group games. Yeah. And it's still their debut season in the competition. What do you reckon, Adam? One leg? Could they do it? Well, they could. I mean, it's a great story, just the fact that they're there, isn't it? Um, but it, 
these things, they're so hard to present. And this is the unknown factor, isn't it? This is what makes this all so intriguing and exciting. It just gives it all that extra dimension that we've got these one-off ties. And I think that could lead to surprises, maybe sides that maybe we wouldn't necessarily expect to go through, sides that might be favourite. I mean, we've already seen one of the favourites go out without these you know, one games with, with Juventus going out last night against Lyon. So... They're hard to predict. I find the whole... This is what I'm enjoying so much about this season's UEFA Champions League is how open it is. I mean, personally, for me, if I had to pick a side right now, I would plump for Bayern. I think they've looked the most impressive. But, you know, there are plenty of other sides that you could make a case for and plenty of sides in the latter stages who've never won the competition before. So, yeah. it's, it's really exciting. It's really interesting. It is. I just wonder, in Paris Saint-Germain's favour, sometimes in the Champions League, they get themselves into great positions and then almost they, they wait for the second leg. The enormity of what they're about to achieve hits them. These are only one matches. I wonder whether that might actually help the French champions, who, of course, have never been beyond the semi-finals. Um, Mark, RV Leipzig, you know, you cover a lot of the, uh, the Bundesliga. They take on Atletico on Thursday. How big a loss is... Timo Werner, of course, scored in the in the round of 16 against Spurs. Now a Chelsea player. Yeah, I mean, it sort of changes the whole game plan for Julian Nagelsmann, doesn't it? Because uh, he was basically the focal point and was uh, a main reason in the in the style that they played. And it is a, a clash of styles, isn't it? I know it's a bit of lazy journalism to sort of say that Atletico, the type of team that just try to grind out results and are very defensively minded. But I think the dynamics of the two sides are very different. And without Werner, Nagelsmann's going to have to really use that very impressive coaching mind that he's got to try and get the better of Simeone I'm, I'm again I talk about how interested I am by a lot of the ties all of the ties that we have left and this is another one and you look at the contrast in styles the way that Atletico like to play they are without doubt the best defensive side left in the competition you just wish that that Leipzig had had Werner uh, you know, from a yeah, neutral perspective, yeah. I really wish that they'd had Werner because you want to see all the teams at their best. It's why I'm so disappointed that Ilicic is probably not going to be there for Atalanta, that possibly Mbappe might not be there for PSG. But what we have still got is a wealth of attacking threat with Leipzig. That shouldn't be underestimated. Even without Timo Werner, we know that this is a side that can still cause Atletico problems. And that, it's another really tough tie to call. Such contrasting styles as well. Such two extremely talented head coaches, but did so different philosophies. And it's that clash of of, of, of coaching cultures and it, that, that I find really interesting about that particular tie. Uh, Atletico expect João Felix to be fit after an ankle problem. He started the, uh, the second leg at Anfield, but of course it was subs who got all the goals in that remarkable 3-2 win at Liverpool. Let's go to Barca Bayern. So that's confirmed for Friday the 14th of August. And Mark, you've, you're commentating on that. Probably the pick of the quarterfinals, not bad. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I mean, I was only given the date of the game that uh, I was working on, uh, not the uh, identities of the sides at the time. But uh, I think whoever would have come through, it would have been a very interesting one. But just, you know, the way Bayern are playing at the moment, they look the real deal. They're motoring. But obviously, never count Barcelona out when they've got Lionel Messi. Listening to Adam's commentary, one of the things I picked up while I was obviously concentrating on the Bayern game was was about the pressing that um, that Napoli were, were doing so well on Barcelona and the fact that playing out from the back was leading to some problems for them. 
Bamal Neuer is back to his best in that sweeper-keeper role, and I just sort of wonder if that could, you know, in a game of fine margins, the fact that Bayern are able to do that without any real trouble, whereas Barca were perhaps having issues with that from what I could hear from what Adam was saying, might be something that comes into it. 18 quarterfinals between them, Rob, and, and what's interesting is they are the only two former winners in the quarterfinals. Of course, one of them is going to be knocked out, so we are going to be in a stage this season where... When we get to the semi-final stage, just one of the four would have lifted the trophy. It's good, before. isn't it? It's oh, really yeah. good. It, 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 it's new names, all absolutely deserve to be there. I think there's a there's an immense there's immense quality to all the teams, but also incredibly incredibly different styles. But look, that's the that's the the standout blockbuster tie Barcelona Bayern, and we can all remember they've met in some pretty good knockout stage matches in the not too distant past as well. I think Bayern will win that convincingly. You think so, Adam? Yes. I, I cannot think. wait. I, th I think they'll win it convincingly. Can't th wait th to message Adam next week. I'm with Adam 100% on that. Just the way that they, they look this evening. They were so on it from the word go. I mean, I know they're a good team. I see them a lot in the Bundesliga. But this, after five weeks out, to start playing like that, it was like they'd never been away. Uh, Boateng, of course, we'll wait to see how he is after coming off with an injury, yeah. but Nicolas Zula back at the right Well, it was time. perfect for them. You know, Zula got a run out. It was He couldn't have asked for any better. He managed to give the, you know, 20-odd minutes to... Um, uh, to a lot of players that he wanted to have a run out. So I think that, you know, it, he couldn't have asked for it to have gone any better, Hansi Flick. Man City, Leon, the final quarterfinal on Saturday, Chris. City surely favourites, not only because of the manner in which they beat Real Madrid, but uh, because of the squad at their disposal right now, even if Aguero's not fit to play. Yeah, I personally think if Bayern are favourites of the Champions League, rightly so, I, I would agree with the other guys. I think Manchester City are second favourites. And of course, they are in the same half of the draw they could potentially meet in the semi-finals they were so good and we heard immediately after the game Pep Guardiola I think almost he was talking to his players when he said if you think this is as far as we've gone then we are still a small club he's putting everything on the line here and I think those players will head to Lisbon with quiet confidence that they can go all the way never mind beating Leon but as Juventus found out Leon or a plucky side. Adam, quickly, I know you always say, you know, we talk about teams having standard results that, where they state their claim in the Champions League, but you've already said, I think, that City have to win it before we can go. They've now arrived at this level. And I think you need to drag some of their supporters along with that as well. I still think there's some of their supporters who see the Premier League as their main objective, but this could be their season, I think. I agree, I think they're probably second favourites. They've got a great chance of going all the way. Uh, Adam, Mark and Chris, thank you very much uh, for your company. It's been a great show tonight. That is all for now. And thank you very much at home for listening. Just a reminder to download our review podcast shortly after every Champions League match night. And you can also listen to us live each match night from now on until the final on the official UEFA Champions League app on UEFA.com or across North America on Sirius XM FC. So make sure you join us on Wednesday, the 12th of August for the first of those quarterfinals. Uninterrupted commentary of Atalanta versus Paris Saint-Germain, live from Lisbon, Leipzig, Atletico, City, Lyon, Bayern, Barca, all to come. But for now, from myself, Rob Daly, and the rest of the Matchday Live team, it's goodbye. You've been listening to UEFA Champions League Matchday Live.